Welcome to another episode of the Dog Bone Podcast. Today, Jeremy joins David Bavero on his podcast, the Global Retriever Podcast, talking on everything retrievers. Today is Cyber Monday, and we have a whole bunch of Cyber Monday sales going on on our Dog Bone website. 25% off site-wide, free bottle of fish oil with every order over $50, and 50% off all premium library memberships. So, if you catch this podcast in time, deal expires tonight at midnight. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing good, Dave. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, doing good. Doing good. I, uh, Appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, be on the podcast today. And, Absolutely. Uh, know, know you're a super busy guy. And uh, again, uh, appreciate the, taking the time. But um, yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me on. Everybody's busy. And, and I'm sure you we all know that that's just part of life these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, before we, you know, before we get started, um, you know, just, um, you know, I, just want to let you know, big fan of your stuff. Um, I've followed it. It, followed it for years and have referred clients to you. Um, love the material, love what you're doing and excited to have you as a, as a guest today. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So with that said, um, you know, our audience uh, is going to be, you know, some based here in the U S but we also do have a following in the UK, Ireland, uh, Europe. So, um, if you would just kind of give us a, a background on yourself and, you know, about dog bone and you sure. know, what you do and, you know, get our audience up to date. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, um, we've got a real small company that, that is in the outdoor space. We've got a couple brands in the outdoor space. Um, and, and obviously one of them is, uh, it's called dog bone and it's a product line that is, you know, basically stuff that I've either developed, um, originally or over the years, um, it, done what I think what I would call improvements on stuff that I've used. Um, I think, you know, today's day and age, it's hard to come up with something. Um, you know, we've been, we've been tweaking stuff forever. And, and I think that there's a lot of, it's hard to come up with something that is like revolutionary as far as never, never thought of before. So, but I do think there's a lot of room for improvement on stuff. And that's where me probably as part of my maybe entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, is always kind of thinking about what, what do I like and why do I like it? And is there something that I could do different with it to make it work better for me? And so obviously connected to the dogs, I, we actually started out with, with one of those rare things that I would say is unique um, which is kind of what gave us the legs to to start the business was um, my my background is I'm a I'm a uh, from Wisconsin and and culturally we're a very strong hunting culture here we we and I, we we had discussed earlier you you you're, you're from Minnesota originally is that right uh, yeah, I wasn't born there but I uh, lived there for a long time and so you, went to went to college there so sure so you you spent enough time around it to to know the 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 feel around here and and so hunting is a big part of of everything we do and and it has been for me growing up and um i i was a deer hunter you know i was a really big deer hunter growing up that's what got me started and the dogs came into my hunting stuff later in life um more in high school and then and then really kind of ramped up in college but um 
my product wise, I was training dogs to actually find shed antlers because I'm, I'm just a real big deer hunter and shed hunting was a part of that for me. And I had heard about guys using, using their dogs to, to help them find shed antlers and kind of improve that experience. And so I started doing it, um, with an older dog and found some success with it. And then I bought a puppy, um, and I wanted to just train her for shed hunting, uh, more specifically. And, and I ran into some issues th in that training process. And prior to that, I was training gun dogs and bird dogs and, um, had had quite a bit of success. And, um, but I was, I was doing it for myself. And then, uh, my background is construction. So I worked for a construction company and people that I worked with saw and heard about my dogs. And so I was kind of taking, taking dogs on the side from people, um, just to help, help them with training. And I enjoyed the process and I was learning a lot training other dogs as well. So when I started with the, the shed antler stuff, my background was the gun dog and bird dog stuff. And, and I didn't think that it should be, or needed to be a lot different. So I kind of took the same, same, um, approach to it. And I ended up, I used an antler and I threw an antler for a young dog and she poked herself on the antler right away. And she was deathly afraid of them and she didn't want anything to do with them. And I thought, man, I just screwed this up. And I thought, how does that relate to, as I train bird dogs and gun dogs, I don't start them out with, with live birds. And, and it didn't, and it makes sense to incrementally work your way up to stuff. And so I thought, why wouldn't I do the same thing with a shed? So that was kind of the, the light bulb moment for me business-wise. And again, at the time I wasn't looking to start a business, I was just trying to fix a problem that I had. And so I came out with, and I patented, uh, uh, this training, training dummy essentially that's shaped in the shape of an antler, but is out of a material that's familiar and similar to other training dummies that are out there on the market and it's flexible and it's, but it's rigid and durable. So I went through all this processes of trying to figure that stuff out and manufacturing all that. And turned into a business basically and so we started out with one product and then um we've since grown beyond shed training and and we've got a line of products to help people train their tracking dogs to find game you know do game recovery find find big game and then from there I, my roots again we're back to gun dog and bird dog stuff so i've i've developed different types of leads and leashes that just i took a lot of ideas that i of products that were out there and I just changed them a little bit and made them unique to what I thought worked better for me. And now, um, you know, and then we've built this brand, which is dog bone. And I think it's real important to me to, uh, you know, if, it, if we sell a product, it's gotta be something that I really believe in. And I really think is something that helps me, um, in my training. And so we've grown to, to quite a few SKUs now. And, um, you know, we do business through, through, we have some distribution through retail and then we do some online stuff and, and, and the dogs, the beauty, I mean, you're, you're, we're going to probably talk more dogs than products, I would say, but the, the dogs are the, the root of it all for me. And that's what the, the whole purpose. And so I've, I've fallen deeper and deeper in love with the idea of developing um, really nice dogs. And, and then that comes into, you know, genetics. And so I've, for 20 some years now, I've been working on um, to where I am today with, you know, we have a, we have a small, very small number of litters a year. Um, I don't really advertise this as a kennel, I wouldn't say, but we'll breed a, a litter of puppies and then I'll train most of them and determine if that's what I like. And if it is, I, I, I try to build off of that. So it's, but the dogs are, are the beauty of the dogs is they're my marketing. I mean, they, they are my, my, the way for me to, 
to show the products. And I think the product part is interesting because the products are only as good as those who understand how to use them. So we, we have really pushed a lot of um, emphasis on trying to share content on how to use the products, because I feel like that's the best way to sell them is I, you can have the best products, but if you don't know how to use them, they're not going to help you when it comes to dogs. And so that's, that's kind of our business model and kind of brings us to where we're at today. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I know nothing about shed dog stuff. <laughs> sure. One, one area I have not gotten into, um, you know, birds and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the shed dog world is uh, very foreign to me. And I, I don't, it's, it's not really popular down here in Texas um, and the South. I don't know if it has something to do with the snakes and things sure. like that and, sure. and all that, but um, but no, I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, you know, you, you found something that, that, you know, you believed in and worked and, and, you know, kind of, kind of gave it the, the, the start. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to the, to the Labradors, um, you're, you're using or breeding British Labradors primarily, correct? Yeah. I, my first lab was an American bred dog. We, this was back in, it would have been in 2000. Um, Prior to that, I had golden retrievers. Our family was into golden retrievers. My mom had a, a we had a, what I would call a very small kennel. My mom would breed maybe a litter every year or every other year of golden retrievers. So um, then I bought a lab in, in when I was in college. And then as soon as I got out of college, I bought my first British bred um, Labrador. And that that was something that um, I kind of fell into in, in while I was in school and in in and I watched um, Drake, the DU dog was really my inspiration. Uh, the Ducks Unlimited had partnered up with Wild Rose Kennels and they developed this mascot dog and they did a really good job of sharing, um, sharing his story. And that's where I was first exposed to this idea of, you know, the difference or, or that there even were um, variations in the Labrador. And, and so that was kind of, that kind of drew me in and, and I just liked, it fit my style. Um, it fit my style of what I was, what I was probably preferring at the time. I don't know that I knew enough to know what I liked or didn't like at that point. And maybe I still don't, I'm, it's still a work in progress, but um, I, I wanted to have a dog that was a hunting dog. And so that was very important to me. And I found that the, the British style, the British bred dogs fit that better for me. Um, and so I started, that's when I bought my first one it was, it would have been in, uh, 2003. Um, and I have not owned one. I have not owned one since that wasn't, um, of, of, of British lines, but, um, and that's not to say that there aren't good, good dogs, um, of all kinds, but it, it was the best for me. And, um, more recently I picked up a, an English setter. So that is the first dog that I have had in our house that isn't been a British bred dog, but yeah, when we come, when it comes to breeding, um, they're they're from they're from either directly imported lines or you know generationally within a within one or two of of uh of imported lines most of the breeding i've done in the last five years have been ai'd um through through frozen from dogs overseas okay yeah yeah very very similar it's pretty much pretty much what i'm doing too i mean i have a stud here too that is imported but um i'm using a lot of uh ai um, sure it seems that, you know, it, it's interesting. It like, you know, once the dogs are here for several generations, it, it, it seems to lose something. And I'm not sure 
why the answer or, or what causes that, but it just seems like the, you know, kind of going back to it is, is always a, a better method, at least, at least what I've found. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we Americanize everything, you know, like when you bring a dog in, um, you know, in reality, if you really want to be technical about it, the American lab is a British lab, you know, it's just or, we, yeah, American, yeah, we Americanized it. it. And yep. so, you know, as you change, and I think what, what, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this, but when you say that, you know, like there's a lot of kennels over here that have lineage of for decades now of, of, of their own, basically they're British, you know, they imported British dogs at, at, or they do import British dogs at, at certain points. But if you keep them, if you, if you continue to breed generationally over here and it should, I think this is something that should happen is the line should change to fit what it is that's your preference. Like, I, I don't think, I don't want to breed to, when I'm breeding, I'm not breeding for British standards because I'm not in, I'm not over there. I, I don't, I don't do the things that they do. I'm breeding, I'm breeding dogs. My goal with any breeding that I'm doing is to best suit what it is that I'm after. And so I think that we over here in the States have done that. And we do that with everything. And, and that's very natural. I don't think it's a bad thing, but we're, we're going to tend to lean towards breeding the next generation to fit our needs. And our, our hunting styles are different and our lifestyles are different. And so, and, and there's major differences between hunting styles and lifestyles from one kennel to the next or one person to the next over here. So I, I think you're right in that it does change it. Um, I think it depends on what it is you're after, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, you know, the, when you say about, yeah, we're, we're different, like, yeah, our hunting is different. Like, you know, you can go up to South Dakota and hunt wild pheasants and big terrain like that. And you're just not going to find that over in Europe. Sure, or, sure. Um, but I think there, I think there's three, like real, for me, there's three qualities that, you know, uh, that, I always want, and I think are kind of the, the foundation and it's the, the steadiness, the quietness and the game finding ability or the nose, sure. um, in the British dogs. And, you know, the, those are the things that I always want in the line. And then you can adapt to, you know, do, do whatever you want to do with them, whether it's waterfowl or grouse or, or pheasants or, you know, uh, hunt tests or whatever it is. But like those, to, to me, those three things are just the, you know, are paramount in the dog. Sure. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to fight that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. And I think of those three things that you just listed, steadiness, quiet and game finding to me, I think two of those are, gen are very much genetic. You know, I think the quiet, I think quiet dogs are, are genetic. I think, I mean, I, but at the same time, I, so I'll leave it. So quiet dogs, I think are genetic and game finding is genetic. Good noises. Yep. You know, the steadiness part, I think is very cultural. I think it's yep. what we do with them. Cause, cause I, and, and when I say that, I think like even the quietness part, I, I have seen it time and time and time again, where litter mates, you know, litter, they're, they're identical genetically. They're, they're litter mates, brothers and sisters, sisters and sisters. And if you bring them back and reunite them, depending on who or what they've been exposed to, you could say, boy, those are sisters or brothers. They're just cut from the same cloth. Or you could say, man, I can't, they can't be related. Well, they are. They're very much. But it, it depends a lot on what the, the environment they've been exposed to has been. And so you can get 
you can get quiet dogs to be squeaky. I think you can overexcite yeah. dogs. You can you can encourage it in without intent unintentionally. You can encourage dogs to be become vocal. Um, and I don't I don't mean just barking, but barking as well. You know, I I've had dogs. I've had dogs that I've worked with some kennels over the years and I've had dogs where, um, for one reason or another, when it came to breeding, we've either sent our dog somewhere or, or their, or dogs have come here. And, and so when, when I have sent dogs off, I have had the dog come back and bark and I had never heard it bark before. And I know what the reason was is because they were put into an environment where dogs were barking and I'll, right. and it's natural for a dog to bark. But the cultural part of it, my dog had never heard it before because our dogs don't bark here. We just, we just, I don't, I discourage it. I don't like it. And they're not prone to do it. I don't think from a natural standpoint, but you know, so there's just, there's, it's interesting because that's the thing that when we think of, when I think if you, if you think about it and you're real intentional with it, with your actions and what you do with these dogs, you can shape, um, the desirable or the undesirable really easily. And then when you combine it with genetic tendencies, I would call it like they have a tendency to be a certain way. Um, that's, I think when the, this, you get the sweet spot when you can, you know, but there's a lot of people that are listening to this that probably maybe have this false sense of, well, just buy the right. Like when you mentioned the idea of, um, you know, this, this differences between, um, uh, you know, if they're over here for generations, they change a little. Well, there's a bunch of dogs over in England that I wouldn't want. that wouldn't fit me. There's a bunch of dogs over here that I wouldn't want. They wouldn't fit me. There's a bunch of dogs over there that fit me. And there's a bunch of dogs over here that fit me. They're all different. You know, they're all because they're over there. I, I just listened to a recent podcast where I don't think it's talked about very often, but there was a gal that was talking um, from the UK and she was saying, you know, the first, one of the first dogs she had just wasn't fit for, for competition. Um, it had a lot of, a lot of faults, <laughs> you know, it had mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of eliminating faults. And I go, I kind of smiled at that because I went, there's some honesty, you know, like I, I think one of the things that, that our dog world lacks at times is transparency. And I think we have to be honest about stuff and be like, Hey, they're not all just, they're not all good because of where they came from or, who they came from or, you know, there's, there's a lot of variations there that, um, you know, the, the people part of it has to be, I think, kind of clear as well. The message. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, you know, it's, you know, like you said, there's, there's really no bad dogs, you know, there's, there's, there's better fits for mm -hmm. people, right. Depending on what you want. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, but I think it's important for, you know, the consumer to understand what they're getting. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. You know, I think, I think there's people that look at dogs and see all these letters, you know, in front of their name and go, Oh, that's a great breeding. And then it's like, boy, that, well, that dog was a lot of dogs. Like, sure. you know, the, way yeah. too much for me or this dog's too soft for me, you know, for what I want. So, yeah. Right. So there's just, you know, how do you, how do you get the right fit uh, for what, for what you're, what you're looking for. Right. Uh, right. So, yeah. And I, I think I, I've heard you say on another podcast, well, it's just a hunting dog. Right. And I, you know, and that, that, that bothers me too. Yeah. Really, that ruffles I mean... my feathers a bit. I hate, <laughs> I hate hearing that. It pisses me off. I, I can't stand it. And I get that, I get that saying said to me all the time. Um, because, because of what I do with the dogs, I hunt with them. You know, that's, that's what I do with yeah. them. So yeah. I hear that oftentimes 
in somewhat of a negative, almost a negative tone. And I go, wait a minute, let's back up a second. Just a hunting dog. What the hell do you think they're made? You know, what, what were they, what are the intentions of them? And, and that, that, that bothers some people when I say that, but um, I don't, I don't have a problem with other things that we do with them. It's just don't, don't, don't talk um, down to the idea of just a hunting dog, because I feel like that's an excuse or a, a statement that is um it's just inaccurate it's not just a it's it is <laughs> like that that should be like the, to me that's the pinnacle now that's for me um you know for some people go so i i just i know a lot of people that do other stuff with dogs um competition and then in competing and they don't hunt them and to me it's a damn shame i just think it's i think it's really um not w- the way i think it was intended to be and that that's the evolution that we face that that we're at right now and that's where i think like some of that transparency and honesty needs to come in too because i i do think that the you have mentioned the the customer the consumer before and i think usually the people that are looking for dogs are the ones that know the least about them um in in the most you know the majority sense and so those are the people that the people that do know the dogs, they're the ones who have to be honest and say, look, if you don't hunt with the dog, don't sell it as a hunting dog to someone. I'm not saying you can't hunt with it, but if you don't hunt with it and there's reasons why you don't hunt with it, be honest with those who are thinking about purchasing one. And the reason they're buying it is to go hunting because, you know, the, the fit has to be right. And so I think that's where some confusion comes in when we start talking about some of the measurements of how we, how we over here and, and over there, um, how we label dogs as far as purpose, you know, field trials and, and hunt tests and all that stuff. Um, you know, that that's just being honest and not, and it's not in a negative way, but like that's different than hunting. And, and, yeah. and I'll, I won't change my mind on that because I think if you're being honest, you'll, you'll agree with that. Like, you know, I thought about this the other day, I'm shooting it's bull season here. So archery deer and, and I'm doing something different this year. I, I've, I've decided to simplify my life a bit in many aspects. And so I'm shooting this old recurve bull from the sixties and, oh, cool. and, and it's just something that I'm really enjoying this kind of process. And, and I thought about it and I thought about shooting targets. I shoot, I'm, that's what I'm doing is I'm shooting targets with it. And there's, I used to shoot in some leagues and, you know, Thursday night we'd shoot in a league and that was something that we did. And I started thinking about like, if you weren't familiar with bull hunting, if you weren't familiar with archery in general, and you told somebody, you know, this is, this is bull hunting. And you took them to a archery club or you took them to my front yard where I have a bunch of 3d targets and you started shooting those targets. And you said, this is, this is bull hunting. It's not bull hunting. You know, it's a part of bull hunting, but it's not bull hunting. And so to think that it, there's, you know, there's a lot of competi- archery competitions. There's a lot of 3D shoots. There's a lot of that stuff. And that's a very different thing than bull hunting for, you know, bull hunting for anything. And I feel like sometimes when I, and I don't know if that's a real good parallel or analogy to make, but when you think about some of the field trial stuff or competition stuff that we do with dogs, those are, that, that's not hunting. And so I don't care how close you, you want to pretend to make it. It's not. And so I think that those who don't do it, they have to 
recognize that and realize that. And so when it, when you're making decisions based on buying dogs, um, you know, you want yeah, there's a difference between a hunting bow and a competition bow, you know, and, and, and that's just, that's something that I think is, is okay to talk about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, uh, a lot of the competition stuff has really gone in a, particularly in this country has really gone in a different direction from hunting. Um, even though, you know, they use titles like master hunter, um, you know, there, there's a lot of master hunter dogs that have never hunted sure. or, and, you know, I, I talk to other pro trainers that do it for a living. Like, Oh no, we, we don't hunt this dog. It, it ruins them for the test. Right? Sure, so, sure. so, you know, again, it, it's what you want, but it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, to me, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, you know, I want to hunt. Like that's, that's my primary reason to have a dog. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I do the hunt test as kind of a, you know, another way to train, um, met some great people, um, you know, good friends, training groups, things like that, um, through that. So it's been, been a good source of that, but there, there, there's to me, there's definitely disconnect between Mm -hmm. the test world or the field trial world and, and the hunting world. Um, which is, I guess why I'm so attracted to the, the stuff over in, uh, England and Europe and Ireland is like that, that, is much more like a day, what they would call a day shooting, yeah. um, where, you know, and that's where back to those, you know, the, the game finding ability is that's, that's a major part of that, of that competition. The dog that doesn't have ga- good game finding ability is not going to be a good trial dog. Sure. Um, and then, you know, hence when it comes over here and you, and you bring those genetics over that translates well into a great you know into a good hunting dog yeah. so like you know so that parallel is is to me is just much more consistent yeah i think i agree and i think that's probably why my why i feel the way i feel about that type of dog and i i because i feel like you know and i i don't know I, i've never been over there i've never seen their trials um but i've 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 seen enough of them on tv and and talked with enough people about them and i, I feel like i got a pretty good feel for them um and i the reason i think it works so, so it doesn't work. It, their hunts are different, you know, like they're, they, 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 they have a very different type of hunting than we do. But I think that the, the traits or the things that the dogs do in order to, to do well in their types of trials, which I, you know, I, the, the beauty for them is they're trialing in, in as close of, uh, as close of comparison to their hunting as, they can. I mean, they're doing it during their real, you know, their real hunts. And so they have the ability to like line up apples for apples over there. Like a hunting dog, a, a dog that picks up for a gamekeeper that's really good. Now maybe it's a little more polish needs a little more polish and things for the field trials and and some of that things to to separate and differentiate in order to win by those standards. But the reality is is they're playing on the same field where you come over here, that's where the differences that I see are is you're not playing on the same field. It's like shooting a 3D course with a bow or going deer hunting. And those are very, those are two different fields. And the things that the dogs do over there, they parallel. What I think they line up closest to, for me personally, this is again, I, I don't do anything for it sounds terribly selfish. And when I say it out loud, I kind of cringe, but like when it comes to dogs, I'm doing nothing but trying to build the best dog for myself. And there's a lot of people that I have found that enjoy that as well. So that just kind of works itself out. But 
when I, when I look at what they're doing with their dogs from a competition standpoint, that's the close, there's a lot of skills there. There's a lot of things that happen that correlate or transfer to what we, what I do when I hunt really closely. And so it's, it gets me the closest I can to what I want. And then I got to, like I said, I, I think over here in the States, we, we take these British dogs and we, we, we hopefully find the best ones for us that fit us. And then we try to, I try to improve on that. Like I try to, I, you know, I, we were talking earlier. I, I, I hunt a lot of, I, I don't go out in the plains. Like I don't go out in the open. I don't go out West. Not yet. Anyway, I've got this setter. So maybe someday I'm going to be doing that, but like, I don't, I don't go out to the Dakotas. I don't go out to Montana. I, I know a lot of guys that do, but I'm a Northwoods guy. So I go up into Northern Wisconsin and the UP and Minnesota and I hunt in covers that are very different. And so, but I quarter and flush my dogs, but I also, now that I have my, my Labradors, but now I also have this setter. So I'm not going to not hunt my, my labs anymore. So what I, what I have done is just shifted them to work out of, out of heel position. So you start thinking about like a walked up, you know, over in the UK, hell, I don't know that I'm doing much different here in the States behind my pointing dogs in the big woods. And so there, there's another example of like, it just, it just transfers that, that action or behavior that they're looking for over there, which is, I think a very, a, a large percentage of it is inherent and genetic. And then I think the balance is cultural and, and, and trained is the end of them. But I see for me personally, the fit needs to be about 50, 50. I, I want to have some influence on the polish, but I also I don't want to have to be, I think one of the things that we do over here in the States is we've become such good trainers. Like the trainers have become so good. The competition has mirrored the idea of, well, we just got to make things harder because we're going to make a challenge. And it just creates this test of who's the best trainer, not necessarily who's the best dog. And so when yep. you say that, you know, some guys will yell at me about that. Well, I'm not, I'm not taking away from those dogs. What I'm saying is, is, the things that you're doing with those dogs, A, doesn't relate and transfer to real life stuff for me. That's, that's not how I hunt. But B is we've become, we've become, the, the, the handler part has become such a big deal and such a big part of it in developing the dogs for, for what I see in our systems that it's a training contest. It's who's trained the best. And that to me, I don't think if you read back to when they started field trials, which we, we started field trials only after following what was going on over in England, in the, in, in the UK, like we, we, we replicated the European model here as far as field trials to start out with. And the purpose of them was figure out what are the best dogs to pass on from a genetics standpoint. That's how it, I mean, that, there's, there's a lot of books out there about that. And, and, and they're all written a long time ago. And, but it's changed. It's had to change in, over here. And so it's one of the things that I think is interesting about over there is I don't know that it has trained. I don't know that it has changed much. And if it has changed much, I think they're doing a pretty good job of trying to keep it um, as, as original if you will as possible and that i'm a, yeah. i'm a, i'm old school man like i like tradition i like yeah. simplicity i like kind of that kind of stuff so that's all all reasons why it probably kind of strikes strikes me in the right spot 
yeah, the, the traditions are, you know, are, are strong. I've been, I've had the pleasure to go over there quite a few times and going back in December um, and have gone to championships and trials and uh, the tradition, you know, you know, they, they wear ties, right. Mm-hmm. It's just, cause they always did. Right. So, you know, people here be like, Oh, I wear a tie. Like, you know, but right. it, it, it's what it is, or they'll wear the, you know, the, the tweed or the breeks, um, you know, cause it's just, it's just the way it was done. So sure. there's, and I, and I asked him, I said, why do you do that? And he said, well, it's just, it's respect for the sport and the game of the dog. Sure. And I said, I said that, that's a good answer. Like, that's a really good answer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back to what you said about, you know, where, uh, you know, what you're developing and, you know, how it really doesn't relate. Well, the, you know, one of the, I think one of the stark differences is the, the cover and the terrain. Um, I mean, it's, the stuff they're sending dogs into is brutal, right? I mean, it's, you know, uh, briars, which are, you know, blackberries and sure. they gorse, which is like a real nasty, you know, you know, prickly thing and nettles and all kinds of, you know, really heavy game and, you know, or, or really heavy cover where they're having to find the game. And, um, you know, tests here tend to be, you know, you know, shorter grass or yeah. things like that. Right. So, um, but you know, you know, when you're hunting in the Northwoods of just you know, gonna, Wisconsin or Minnesota, just gonna say that, you know, where I hunt, <laughs> it's exact sounds like you're describing where I hunt. So that yeah. it's, it's my point exactly is the idea of like that, that's a, that's, that is, um, and so for me, I, I think about that and I go, if a dog, if a dog does well by measured standards in the conditions and types of hunts that I do over here, you know, and, and most hunters do, it's not just me. Like think, think about yourself. Like when you, when you go hunting, whether it be Texas, the plain States down South, up North, I don't care where you are. The last place, you know, the last, <laughs> the last thing I have seen is where wild game birds like the easy stuff, you know, like that doesn't happen. And so, right but why you know one of the things that another big difference i think is the equality factor like we are such an equality based society that like everybody's got to have the same opportunities and chances and change and i i'm I'm fine i'm fine with that with certain things but when it comes to the idea of hunting the last time i shot two birds that were exactly identical i don't remember you know the last time the scenario played out itself in a morning of you know, I have a lot of sits where <laughs> I got a place up in northern Wisconsin and they do uh, quite a bit of duck hunting because it's right out my front door. It's at my cabin. And, um, you know, we killed we killed some wood ducks this year and it had actually probably the best year we've ever had up there. And but there have been many mornings where I got up and I watched the sun come up and I drank coffee and smoked my pipe and I, we didn't fire a shot. And I had my dogs, you know, sitting in the blind with me really quiet and calm and, and the, the things that you, and steady and the things that you just said, you know, were, were valuable to you. Now the game finding, I didn't need them because I didn't kill anything, but the, the, the number of times that I do that is more often than when I go out and have a real banger and shoot, you know, a whole bunch of birds and it's fast action. And, um, you know, the reality of hunting is, is most of the time you're not, you're, it's, it's neutral. You're neutral. You're not in four wheel drive. You're not in, you're not in six gear. You're, you're sitting neutral and quiet. And that's the part that if you don't, you know, you don't get that when you come, when you start talking about our competitions, cause it's, 
you've been to them. You know, I, there's, there's, we talked about it the other day, like my hair stands up on the back of the neck when I hear dogs whining and barking and crying. And, mm-hmm. and that's not even like in the field. It's like in the truck or in the kennel or wherever. And, you know, we just, we kind of, we kind of look the other way on a lot of that stuff when it comes to the competition, I think, because we're more interested in who can run the furthest and the farthest and the fastest. And to me, I, I think I like that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think that's impressive. Um, but to me, I need the, I need the dog with me 24 hours a day. So that's, that's what I'm, and that's where I think the connection goes better to yeah. what they're doing over there. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And yeah, the, you know, the, the, the barking dogs are, you know, you have the, the, the trailer of 20 dogs coming down the road and you hear them two miles away. Like it just, you know, <laughs> I can't. and it's, it's not the dog, you know, that's not the dog's fault. I think yeah, that's no, part, that's our fault. We yeah. allow that shit to happen, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand that. I, I, again, it's just personal. And and if I grew up around it, if that's all I ever knew, if that was what I always saw was just dogs that did that, maybe I'd feel differently about it. But I couldn't. I don't. I couldn't. That wouldn't make me real happy. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't, like it. It. I, it, like that. I don't, it. It makes me just makes me nervous and like ah, I can't. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, how, you know, your style of training, right? So, you know, you got the British dogs and mm-hmm. um, I noticed you'd send them kind of the traditional British way, but how did you, how did you decide to develop your training that way versus training, you know, the traditional now American way with an e-collar or all that? How did you, yeah. how did you make that connection or decision? Well, I think, so to start out, like I, I have had, Folks, I, I answered a couple emails this morning from people that they make you feel really good because they send you an email. Hey, I really I saw your stuff on YouTube or I subscribed to the training library and I love your style and it's molded how I train. And and I, I some people will say like your style and I, I don't have a style like I and that's, I think, real important to understand is like my style is a, a mishmash of of a lot of stuff I've come across. I, I told this story in another podcast, but my buddy went, my buddy, he was a mentor of mine. I used to work for work for him and very, very influential in my life. And it was construction stuff. And he partied a lot. And he, he, uh, he used to go with the, he used to party with the stones, man. He, he saw the stones 50 times. I mean, he, wow. he, he, he was older, he passed away. Um, but he, he was backstage with them. He's talking to Keith Richards about, about a song he wrote and he asked him a name and he's it's a cloud man he's just in the backstage with the stones and he goes where'd you get the inspiration for this song and Keith richards looked at me and he goes i picked up a lot of barnacles along the way and that was his answer and i and my buddy's telling me this and i'm just like on pins and needles listening to this story and i just thought man that's 